Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. The panel. The panel this morning is uh, Guy Havelt and uh, James Regan. Uh, very happy to have uh, both you gentlemen on with us this morning. Uh, Guy, news just coming through. I've been reading on stuff. 30,000 plus. Uh, they've sold tickets for day one of the Rugby Women's World Cup at Eden Park. Good news. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, James, and everyone else. Uh, good news. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I- I'm pleasantly surprised, I must say. The last time I heard, uh, ticket sales weren't all that good. So... I saw that headline this morning as well, and I thought 30,000 was a pretty good number. Uh, no doubt if it's a nice Auckland day when it does roll around that, that they will get some, uh, they'll, they'll get a decent walk-up crowd, you'd hope. Um, yeah, if, if it got towards 35-40, I, I think that would be an incredible result to start the tournament. Um, hopefully it is a good day, a good fine day, and the Black Ferns can get their moments uh, in the sun, so to speak, from a, from a literal and figurative point of view, and, and they can... Um, they can really start this tournament on a high. So that's uh, day one, James. Um, what about uh, going forward and uh, the matches before uh, the playoffs? So you imagine the playoffs will be pretty well supported. Do you fear a little bit for the numbers? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch it unfold. I think there's always kind of this fear before any kind of tournament, especially at the moment because of COVID. But when it, when it gets going, pe- people will get involved in it. And especially, obviously, people up uh, Auckland and above, um, then I think it'll gather its own momentum. And I think, then again, if the Black Ferns can, can get going, I'd love to see people get behind them after what they've been through over the past year or so and, and the way they've kind of turned things around. I think it'd be great if everyone can get behind them. And, and as always, a tournament on our own front door, you know, pe- people will get behind it and it, it will gather momentum. I think it'll be fine. Smithy, I will just James. jump in there. I, I was, yes. um, I, I am happy with with the ticket sales for the first game. I I worry for the rest of the tournament um, massively. Uh, I I think they've got um, games at at out, out at Trust Stadium in, in West Auckland. Um, games not featuring the Black Ferns. I don't know how many people are going to show up, um, and and that for me is a real concern for this tournament. Um, and that's why. The Black Ferns have a little bit more pressure than usual on their shoulders. They have to make it through to at least the semi-finals and probably the final, if we're realistic. I think to keep mm. interest going in this tournament, um, there are three teams who are really good in women's rugby. That's the Black Ferns, France, and England. Um, maybe Australia to an extent, but outside of that, 
uh, it's fairly slim pickings, and I worry that if the Black Ferns aren't involved, interest in this tournament will drop suddenly. So uh, I think there's, there's yeah, the, the first game, great that they're getting 30-odd thousand along. I think that's excellent. The rest of it I do worry about. Okay, uh, I'm with you, actually. I, I'm, and I, I got a little bit worried uh, when I turned up to Eden Park last week uh, early to watch both games, yep. and yep. there were not that many people there to begin the Black Ferns game. Obviously, it built up towards the end of the match with uh, All Blacks uh, fans uh, as their preference turning up, <clears throat> but I, I was a little bit worried, and uh, I would imagine looking down from above, a lot of the officials were uh, ever so slightly worried as well. Uh, James Regan, Joseph Parker... Now, uh, Joseph Parker, straight after his loss last weekend to uh, Joyce, uh, he was up very boldly, talking through a severely distorted and ugly-looking face, I've got to say, for a good-looking young man, uh, about his next fight. What about this? What, what do you make of this from Joseph Parker? He's 30 years of age, but he can't continue to be pounded like that against the big boys. Yeah, it, it was a fascinating fight. I think massive props to Joe Joyce, first of all, for being the first person to knock Joseph Parker out. Like, let's not forget that, right? Anthony Joshua, Dillian White, Andrew Ruiz as well, all tried and they couldn't knock Joseph Parker out. I think Joe, whether he wins a world title or not, I think took a massive dent, but he'll still be involved in some big fights. I think he'll get a rematch with Dillian White. I think he could get a rematch with AJ, depending on what happens with him over the next few months. But all that aside... It was pretty disappointing to, to go on social media and everything after the fight and see people basically write him off as if they were ready to write him off even before that fight. Like, that was a great fight. Two two big heavyweights, one and two ranked, going at it. And Joe Joyce came out on top, fair play. But it was pretty it was pretty disappointing to see a lot of Kiwis and a lot of Kiwis in the media writing him off and just basically saying, well, you know, that's that with Joe. He's still got a lot to give. He's only... You say he's 30, but he's only 30. Joe Joyce was a lot older. Um, Joe Parker has a lot more to give. Whether he fights for a world title or not, I'm not sure. But he's still got some massive fights ahead of him. And the the hunger is clearly still there. So I think we should give him a little bit more respect, given he's a Kiwi on the world stage. And one of the toughest sports going around, doing amazing things. I think people need to, to pull their heads in a little bit, to be honest. Okay, James, uh, honest thoughts there. Uh, Guy Havelt, what did you make of it? Well, I've got to put my hand up and be honest and say that before the fight, I was already in the camp that if Joseph Parker didn't win that fight, then that was pretty much curtains. I did a little bit of a flip after the fight, to be honest, because he showed such um, incredible endurance, I suppose. He took an absolute pounding at times in that fight, and more often than not, he gave it back straight away twice. So that was an excellent fight. Uh, it was a really, really interesting, enthralling, entertaining fight from these two big men. Um, and we don't see that that often in boxing anymore. Uh, so I, I kind of gained even more respect for Joseph Parker out of that. In saying that, I don't think he will t- fight for a world title again. I don't think a, a rematch against Dillian White is all that interesting. Um, I think... With all due respect to Joseph Parker, great guy. Um, I think the fact that he's been a world title holder before is, is just, um, you know, that just shows what type of fighter he has been. I don't think he's at the, the heights of the Usyks, um, obviously Tyson Fury, um, even Anthony Joshua. I think he's, you know, there's about three or four guys 
in the top of heavyweight boxing and then there's another gap to the rest uh, and Joseph Parker is in the rest. So he might continue his career. If he does, all power to him. I'm not going to sit here and tell him to retire. That's his decision uh, and the team around him and his loved ones and all that sort of thing that that's meant to make. Um, but I don't think we'll see him fighting the top, top guys in world boxing anymore. Um, I hope he continues to win some fights, uh, but I can't see him uh, fighting for a world title again. Okay. Uh, two um, slightly differing opinions there from uh, Guy Havelt and James Regan, and that is cool. That's what the panel is all about. It's 10.30. We'll take a short uh, break with some news from uh, Karen. When we come back, we can talk a bit of uh, NRL, a bit of NBL, a bit of WRC, a bit of everything, really. It, uh, it's just time for a, a short news update. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. James Regan and Guy Havelt are our panellists this morning. And, uh, James, I just heard it in uh, Karen's news that uh, High Performance New Zealand Sport have launched a new campaign called It's Time, encouraging people to watch uh, more women's sport, saying uh, one in every three watch women's sport. Well, I wonder if that's one of every three New Zealanders or one in every three people who watch sport. Um, because if one in every three New Zealanders, I would have thought was not a bad ratio, to be first, to be perfectly honest. Uh, how do you see its time progressing? <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's great that that that's come up with this initiative, and it'll be interesting to see the kind of nuts and bolts and how much money. Like, let's be honest, that's what it comes down to: is how much money is going to be put into to this kind of thing. Because there's no doubt, and we saw it yesterday with the media ops. We've got some amazing female teams and some amazing female athletes, right? So it, it's just finding ways to engage the public with that. And it's the same with all sports, right? Like getting people through the door, getting eyeballs on the TV. Coming up with ways to do that is promoting the athletes. I think first and foremost, you think of the Blackburns, you know those athletes because they're, they're great personalities and they're great people and great athletes. Ruby Tui uh, and, and everyone else in that Blackburns environment does an amazing job at promoting themselves and the sport and we kind of just need that more across the board so hopefully it is a good initiative but it'll come down to dollars and cents and kind of the, the practical ways that they're going to try and roll this out well we talked about it before uh, guy in terms of uh, people watching uh, the women's rugby world cup um, and then, of course, next year you've got uh, the Women's Football World Cup, which is even more global as such. And I wonder whether that will catch um, New Zealand sports fans' attention. So there's a lot of pressure, I think, on, on bosses of, of sport in New Zealand and women's sport in New Zealand particularly. Uh, they have... They have um, what's, the, what's, what's the right word? That They have... Um, I don't want to say preached because that's unfair. Um, they have gone on, I suppose, for a while that, that these are three of the biggest women's global tournaments that New Zealand has now got uh, in the space of 12 months. We've had the Women's Cricket World Cup. I don't know about you, but I, I thought it was a little bit underwhelming in terms of, um, in terms of attendance. Uh, the White Ferns mm. obviously got some good numbers, uh, but I thought it was a, a little bit lacklustre in that department. Uh, as we've just talked about, fascinated to see how the Women's Rugby World Cup goes. As I said, I'm a little bit concerned about those attendance numbers. And then they've got supposedly the big one globally anyway in the Women's FIFA World Cup. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on for this Women's Rugby World Cup and the FIFA World Cup to deliver in terms of um, getting youngsters, getting a more spotlight on, on women's sport. I think in the media, we, we have started to do a really good job. Uh, I think it's building nicely. I think 
Um, they are getting, women are, are getting a much better, and this is what it should always be, obviously, they are getting a much better um, uh, coverage across all these sports. But now it is up to the people in charge, the people who are saying that these are going to be great events for them to deliver in terms of people attending these sports events, um, talking about them and getting it in the media. Um, they need to make it accessible for a lot of people to get along to see these women play these sports. As James said, outstanding athletes across the board, outstanding athletes. Uh, and now it is up to the people who are paid the big money to make sure that these athletes are put in the spotlight and that these sports continue to grow and that these women's events continue to grow. I'm slightly worried, I've got to be honest. Yep, I am a little bit as well. Just going back to the Women's Cricket World Cup, of course, they were they were sort of hamstrung a wee bit with COVID, um, yeah, totally. uh, particularly the, yeah. at the start of the tournament. It freed up towards the end, and we, we saw the impact of uh, a crowd for a final not involving New Zealand, I think, which was quite gratifying. But having said that, yeah. uh, we know there will be a massive crowd uh, at the NRL grand final. Guy Havelt, uh, who you got? Who you picking? Well, I think this is one thing that James and I will agree on. Uh, I think Penrith will do this, and I think they might do it in a canter, to be honest. Um, the Eels have won, I think it's five of their last six games heading into this grand final, and the one that they lost was against Penrith, and they lost 27-6. to six. Uh, I think it's probably going to go a similar way. I think uh, Nathan Cleary has this amazing ability to step up in huge games, whereas Mitchell Moses sometimes sometimes goes a bit missing in the big moments. Um, I, I think Penrith will win, and yeah, I, I think it could be, could be a little bit of a one-sided grand final this year. James is the okay. rugby league expert, though, so I'll leave it in his hands yeah. to, to really yes. get the expertise. <laughs> we need a breakdown, a complete breakdown now, James Regan, please. Yeah, I'm, look, I, Guy pretty much said it all. I think they've got, they've got the players, they've got the experience, which is, is massive in the NRL grand final, right? They've lost one, they've won one. They know what to do. They're, they're well-rested. They look especially towards the end and, and they had a bit of a rocky start but they looked like they were just cruising um, against South last week I think it's great for rugby league in that area of Western Sydney which is great for the game um, and, and just kind of looking and taking a step back at what Penrith has done if they went on uh, Sunday they'll be the first ever team to win all of the grades all of the age group grades the reserve grade under 19s and, and below that as well as the NRL Premiership and if you're the to take it to a Warriors perspective, who, you know, are claiming they're going to come back and rebuild and rebuild the age groups, that's how you do it. And they're, they're obviously bringing in Andrew Webster, the assistant coach at Penrith. So that's the way you've got to run a football club these days. Uh, and so I think we'll see Penrith be dominant for years to come. They've obviously got the players coming through, and I think they'll, as Guy said, they'll probably do it at a canter on Sunday, which is, um, it'll be so impressive if they do because they're an amazing team and amazing an amazing club as well. A couple of things, uh, gentlemen, to talk about too that have slightly, I think, flown under the radar. Um, and that uh, as the breakers season starts this Sunday, James, um, that's uh, interesting. Uh, the only real headline I'm seeing is that uh, Tom Abercrombie won't be able to fly for six or seven weeks because of the surgery to his eye and they're protecting that. Uh, but I haven't seen much else about it, have you? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I've got to be honest, up until this week, I didn't realise the season kicked off. And that, they've been a massive... Um, they've suffered massively through COVID, as of the Phoenix and the Warriors, but for some reason, they've, you're right, they've, they've gone a little bit 
more under the radar. I think considering how, how much they were in the headlines leading up to COVID as well with everything that was going on around the team and, and bringing, you know, stars from, from the US and they have certainly kind of dialed it back and from a, I'm not sure if Guy would agree, but from a media point of view, we don't seem to get as much as well and obviously COVID is a massive factor that the Warriors and Phoenix, you were getting content from them and, and seeing them all the time. I was, it was a bit more dialed back from the breakers. Hopefully they can, they can hit the ground running here and get back on track, but um, yeah, it, it's been fascinating to kind of watch how all three of those clubs have, have gone through COVID and the breakers seem to be on the back foot of it. Guy, um, I guess you were aware it was starting, but um, do you agree with James on um, the amount of information, etc. you've provided with about it? I've got to be honest with you, I didn't realise I thought it was the weekend after. <laughs> uh, so I went to interview... Tom Abercrombie and Modi Ma'or yesterday and, and I was like, oh, I better just check who their first game is and what do you know, it's this weekend. Uh, yeah, completely agree with James. Uh, I think last year and even the season before, they, they it was kind of like, you know, out of sight, out of mind and they did nothing to, to fix or change that. Um, they almost weren't available for Zoom interviews or they sent sporadic content. It was It was quite strange. I mean, when your team's losing, uh, it doesn't help. And, and fans, I suppose, if you're not a diehard fan, you kind of go out of favour with, with watching games for the sake of watching games. So I don't think that helped them. Um, but again, they're another team that has a bit of pressure on them to, to try and bring back the crowds. What I will say in the Breakers' favour is that when you go along to a night of Breakers basketball, it is entertainment plus. The atmosphere is superb. Um, you get a lot of action. So they do that exceptionally well. They have to win. Uh, it's as simple as that, really. They have to win to keep the fans interested and to, to keep those fans going along to get that atmosphere week in, week out. The other thing I would say, I was, at, I was uh, interviewing Tom Abercrombie yesterday and then I spoke to Modi Ma'or afterwards and I said, oh, can we film some training? And he said, oh, you can film the first 15 minutes but nothing else. And that worried me a little bit. Um, in breaker seasons past, you've been able to film whatever you want. Uh, I hope it doesn't go down the same path as what we're allowed to film at the All Blacks and the like, which is 15 minutes of training when they are literally doing stretches or tying up their boots, and it is boring as hell. So I hope that is not the norm going forward, because uh, I don't think that helps us, and I really don't think it helps us try and sell the product to people sitting at home watching uh, those teams as well. I know it might sound a little bit naff, and it might sound like, me bleating from a personal work point of view, uh, but I think it is a lot more to sell a story, to sell a product, to in turn then help them sell tickets uh, if there is something interesting to film and interesting to watch as opposed to them doing stretches and tying their boots. Well said, uh, Guy Havel. Well said, uh, James Regan. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, have a terrific weekend watching whatever you chooses, uh, whatever takes your fancy, whatever you choose to watch. I imagine uh, the NRL be uh, top of the agenda when that comes about and some great NPC action as well. Guy Havelt, James Regan, the panellists this morning have another one on Monday. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal or get a low maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.